We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 270. On today's episode, we've got the Yankees clinched a wild card spot. Didi may be out for the season, and Scott has no voice. Scott has no voice. I summed everything up right there. It's (laughs) like the voicemail on Seinfeld when George's father calls Steinbrenner. Call me back. George may be dead. The... um yeah, and we just and we just got the news right before we came on uh, about Didi and and the fact that he may be lost for the rest of the 2018 season. Unreal. It's it's crazy. You know, talking about how how nonchalant to um, Boone apparently was. You know, said it and actually just dropped it in there after after reading what what Hoke tweeted. But um, yeah, my voice is completely gone. I've had one ridiculous weekend myself. The Yankees obviously uh, couldn't finish up on Sunday, but my. Um, 
my garage and hot water heater caught on fire on Friday. Oh, I, even I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah I went shit. on on Saturday. I witnessed one one of the greatest college football upsets of all time history when my old, alma mater, Old Dominion, beat Virginia Tech. Go Monarchs! And um, and then and then yes, I had a few beverages yesterday, and I yelled like a lunatic. And um, and then today, I, I have been hating my life, and uh, and I have no voice. Yeah, so that sums well, up I, my weekend. The Saturday was worth it. The the garage fire is a little scary. You sent me that picture. Uh, have you figured out what the hell has happened? Yeah, I mean the uh, the water heater literally caught on fire. The Just the panel in the water heater caught on fire. It, it got too hot. It shorted out. Uh, the wires shorted out, and uh, and then yeah, there were flames coming up. Luckily, we caught it like almost immediately because uh, I think if we had if that thing had gone another minute or two. My house would be burned down right now. So thank God. It imploded. It imploded like the Yankees bullpen on Sunday. Uh, yeah, it was like an AJ Cole water heater. It was horrible. <laughs> oh man, what a like you said, what a weekend. Um, let's dive right into. Actually, before we dive into the DD news, because that that's really like the thing that shook everybody on on Sunday afternoon. I want to remind you guys about the voicemail segment we are going to do on next Monday's show. It's going to be a season wrap-up voicemail segment. We want you guys to call up and leave your favorite or least favorite or both moment from the season. Um, we want to get as many people to do this as possible because that will we'll hear stuff back from April and May. We'll hear stuff from the summer. We'll hear stuff recently where people are just pissed off. It's going to be a fun segment. Call it up. Leave a 30-second um, voicemail. Make it good. The number is 646-480-0342. Again, that'll be next Monday. So, and qu- like you Quickly said, before go we ahead. go, real quick. Sorry, I, I almost forgot about something, but I, I, I promised something that I would do, and um, I almost forgot. But uh, So at the game yesterday, at the football game I was at, one of the guys that's in our Facebook group, his name is Alex. Uh, he's been on the live streams before. Uh, got me and some of my boys into uh, this area where you could buy a beer during the game, which is, you know, it's one of the best places you could be at a college football game. So, <laughs> so shout out to Alex. Good looking out. We got like, he got like four or, four or five of my guys in there. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's it. It's always fun when you uh, randomly just see a, a podcast listener out um, and get to do something cool like that. Yeah, absolutely. So Boone in his post-game press conference just figured, here, let me sneak this devastating news to all Yankees fans out there. That Didi may not return this season because on that slide home on Saturday on the game-winning play, he tore cartilage in his right wrist, and he had an MRI and a cortisone injection. And when you, when you saw the play, everyone is just focusing on the left hand because that's the hand that's touching home plate, and it, nothing looked out of the ordinary. Didi immediately started celebrating. He was celebrating with the champagne and everything. So you're just thinking today was a regular day off for Didi because like Judge, like Hicks, like he's just going to sit, guys. It's the hangover game. You kind of understand that. But then apparently he woke up this morning and felt discomfort. He said he's optimistic that he's going to return. But holy shit, if Didi cannot come back this year, that's just like another gut punch that this team really cannot handle right now. No, no, it's it's a it's a terrible thing. Obviously, it, it shakes up the entire lineup. It shakes up what you do on defense. It changes everything. And I mean, he's not going to. If and, and just so everybody knows, we we literally started recording just as that news came out. So thing information may change. There may be more information that comes out after we stop recording. Um, I'm kind of following Twitter and all the all the other areas that we we could get some news from it as well during the show. But yeah, it changes it changes everything because not only. 
you know, are you potentially losing him for this wild card game and, and you know, future playoffs if if that does happen, if everything goes the right way? But you're you're now not having him for the final week and a half. Uh, most likely, they're gonna you know hold him back. They're, it's not oh, like he's certainly. gonna come back and play. He's gonna be gone for the for the the regular season. And well, maybe and what maybe he if he's feeling better, maybe a tune up game in Boston next yeah. weekend. But those games at at that point. I mean, they might still matter, but hopefully they don't matter. You're going to try and win these next four games so you can lock up home field advantage, and you don't have to go balls out in the final weekend of the, of the season, and you can actually rest some guys and get ready for that playoff game. Like, it, it boggles my mind that we, like, we're at a point where it's, Boone has said, he said it on the radio, he said it in his pregame press conferences, we're going pedal to the metal to try and win home field advantage. But then he doesn't actually do that. He goes to A.J. Cole in the sixth inning today when you have a lead. He rests Judge today, and I understand now why he rested Didi, but he rests Aaron Hicks, who we thought maybe his ankle was sore, but he ended up pinch hitting and playing late in that game, so he Although probably could have started. he looked like he was hobbling towards the end of when he was running down the line, he was not running hard. And okay, it, sure, so I find It looked I like he was that. pulling up. Aaron, play Aaron Judge, though. You really tell me Aaron Judge can't DH today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand. Look, I... I think they're 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 still trying to be careful with Judge at the same time. So like to him, he's he would be the one guy. Well, are I would you say. trying to be careful or are you trying to win home field? If you're I, telling me I we're just trying to be they careful, have to be careful fine. with Judge. But yeah. don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. They're talk. He is contradicting himself. What he is saying and what he is doing is contradictory. The um. I don't have I don't have so much of a problem. I'm tr- I'm trying to like wrap my head around all. We're these, going a mile a minute here. because yeah. the uh, I don't have a problem with them sitting judge. When you're looking at the other ones, there was because of injury. Like I, I the judge has to get some rest in between. You can't just continuously play him since he's come back because okay, of the so risk. Fine, then, because then. there's a there's a, a a break or whatever. If maybe it's a, a a deep bone bruise at this point, whatever it is, you you can't go out and play him every day. You need him to be ready and healthy and fresh um, for for that stretch run for you know when you need him. So like I. I can't get too mad about that, honestly. So you're fine with the lineup today? No, but the other ones were obviously injuries. Like, I don't think Hicks... I'm surprised Hicks was pinch hitting if he was injured. That would be the one thing. So when I saw him pinch hitting, I was like, oh, okay, why was he not playing? And then I saw him hobbling a little bit towards the end. I'm like, well, why is he pinch hitting then? So that was was where I was was questioning that. The DD thing, obviously, we know now. Um, But yeah, I mean, even if DD were to come back in a tune-up game, then you're looking at a a, a one-game tune-up for a guy that's been out for uh, you know a, a week plus, uh, right. and then he's supposed to just get back, find his timing, make sure he's all good with a, a jacked up right wrist like that—that that is sucks. not an easy thing to do. It totally sucks. And without DD in this lineup, they are so right-handed heavy because now you got Luke Voigt in there because Greg Bird can't even crack the lineup on Hangover Day. Yeah. So Luke Voigt's another right-handed hitter. Neil Walker, I understand he's a switch hitter, and his left side's probably better. Aaron Hicks is a switch hitter. His left side is probably better as well. But, but Brett Gardner can't find the field either because McCutcheon's playing well. So without Didi, you have no left-handed hitters, really. And yeah. really not much left-handed power at all. No, I mean, and and you know, it, I'm I'm circling Hicks right now. I'm looking to see how he uh, how he is tomorrow and the next day because, you know, if he isn't healthy, if this is something that's uh, a potential, you know, issue down the road as well. I mean, he would be one of those guys that you could you could probably that he would probably slot in in, in a similar role where Didi was, just because he's been. So, you know, so good this year, but you're right. It's a huge, huge, huge hole not having Didi's left-handed bat in the three spot. And Hicks has been great. I know Michael K brought the stat up today that Hicks is 
uh, got a four point. I looked it up as a four point six WAR according to Baseball Reference, which is third on the team behind Judge and Severino. So he's been a really valuable asset to this team, and that's great and all. He's let off. He's batted third. He, he's hit wherever in the lineup, and it's great. He plays a good defense. But the importance of Didi, especially what we saw him do in the postseason last year, Didi was the catalyst really for most things in the postseason last year. He got the big home run in the wild card game, homers off Kluber. A number of different things. It, even if, like you said, even if he does come back, if he's out of rhythm, then it's essentially you're playing without Didi Gregorius. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a big problem. It's his throwing hand too. I mean, you know, like that's that's uh, that's something to think about when you're when you're talking about a shortstop going out there and and making plays. You know, is the feel for the ball going to be completely there if you have a, a you know torn ligaments in your in your throwing hand? Like, these are these are. Absolutely significant problems. I know the quarter zone shot in there. DD is is saying that he's optimistic, um, but what does that really mean? That's a guy just you know trying to be competitive and trying to you know obviously uh, be be as optimist uh, optimistic as possible because he wants to return. There's like there's no doubt about it. But uh, I can't think. But I cannot get to a point where where anywhere this is not just devastating news for the Yankees. Honestly, it's it's terrible news. What so then? What happens? Does Glaber go back yes. to shortstop and Walker play second, or does Hetcheverria play? Because we saw the defense in the left side yeah. of the field when it was Glaber and Andujar. It was not pretty. No, that's that's actually true. They may put Hetcheverria at, at short just to shore up that defense and throw him at the bottom of the lineup. Um, you know, and just kind of uh, assuming that the rest of the lineup would be will be good enough, and they shore up that defense. Uh, so I could I could see that, but I think it depends on the matchup. Really, I think it depends I think it on depends matchup. on the starting pitcher. Yeah. So if a right-handed pitcher is is in, I think you'll see Walker at second and Glaber at short. Uh, so you can get an extra left-handed bat in there with Walker. But if it's a right-handed pitcher, I could still see them. Or excuse me, a left-handed pitcher, I could see them going Echeverria. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt when when you have Hetcheverry in there, the defense is you know uh, as as close as you could be with uh, with having Didi in there because they're both plus defenders. So you're not losing much, uh, if any, at shortstop with with Hetcheverry, uh, you know, defensively. So obviously with the bat, you're losing quite a bit, but um, defensively, it's it's pretty close. So the Yankees did clinch a playoff spot. Hopefully, they do clinch that home field. A lot of people are going to be trying to go to that wild card game. And one place you can get those tickets is on SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And I know, Scott, you've used SeatGeek a hundred times. I've used it a hundred times. I've gone to the theater. You have bought Jets tickets. Maybe we're going to be looking for some wild card tickets with SeatGeek. Hopefully some ALDS, ALCS. If we're really lucky, some World Series tickets. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely makes it a lot easier because you could search uh, and find the best deals. And again, they, they're, not, they're not going out there and just uh, and giving you bad deals. They're not giving you ones that you don't feel confident about. You're going through SeatGeek. It's super easy to navigate the site. And and you could. I've already been looking. Uh, at, you know where, what the the playoff tickets for a wild card game are ranging. Um, I saw some of the the ones in uh, in two hundred five are actually going for. Um, if you want to get lower in the level, they're going for anywhere between one seventy five and like two twenty five an hour. And I'm sure they'll just continue to go up. Um, so definitely, uh, I would I would hit that up as you're doing it. Um, I do have the SeatGeek 
app on my phone. It makes it a lot easier to look. Uh, and it's probably the easiest found way I've found to shop for tickets. Um, again, I, I told you guys before, I've used it for Jets tickets. I've been looking at it for, uh, for, for playoff tickets for the Yankees as well. Uh, so best of all, if you have not used it and you're a listener to the show, you can use the SeatGeek app and get your first purchase, $20 off your first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code Bronx today. That's promo code Bronx for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Did you have a problem with the Yankees popping champagne after they clinched a spot? We talked about this last year. So I I'm know, gonna, same so, exact thing last yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, so look, here, here, here's my deal with it. Like, I think it's, I think, I, I get to sell, you, you, I think people should celebrate. I think you should have fun. You should, you should, uh, you know, celebrate accomplishments. I, I just, to me, like the whole popping champagne thing is over the top. Uh, it's, I don't really care enough. Like I've, I've, I've stopped caring about it. Like, so I don't have a strong opinion anyway. I, I've just, it's, it's whatever to me, but I think it's over the top. Like I wouldn't want to pop champagne for clinching. I don't even know where I'm going to play or right. I don't know. That's it's actually just, the difference because last year when they clinched, they knew they were going to be home for that game. And it was kind of at the point where they really didn't have much more to play for after they clinched. Um, I, I just, this you know, year they still have work to do. When you go balls out on your celebration on, on, on that one, like don't the rest of them just get this nope. you know monotonous we saw and it boring? Last year they celebrated after they beat the Twins. We, they celebrated yeah. after they beat the uh, Indians. So it's every step now. They uh, I know I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go. I'll get off my lawn on this whole thing. But um, at the same time, I'm like you know act like you've been there before a little bit, a little bit. You know, some some of the guys. I mean, it was their first time. Boone's first time. He's telling them all to beat some ass. Stanton's first time. It burns so good with he got the champagne in his eyes. So some of these players, Glaber and Duhar, they've never yeah. done that before. No, I mean, yeah. Again, like I have no problem with celebrations. I, I think you should celebrate your accomplishments. You should do that because you don't know when. You know, this type of thing is going to happen unless you're the New York Yankees and they should be expecting it every year, honestly, uh, especially the way that this lineup is and the way that this team is, has, uh, you know, constructed itself. So, you know, a little bit of uh, been there before wouldn't wouldn't hurt. But again, I I don't care enough. Like they're they're most of them are in their young 20s or early 20s and they're going to pop champagne and have fun. So whatever. I saw. How about you Garrett- not be hungover for the next goddamn game? Though? How <laughs> yeah, about that? Exactly. How about that? Don't don't lose to the 115 loss Orioles when yeah. when you go out there the next day. But I saw Gary Sanchez dumping champagne all over people. It's fine. He's going to be the starting catcher. We'll talk about that in a second. But they're tripling down on Gary Sanchez. But you know who I did not see celebrating? That's Greg Bird. No pictures surfaced with Bird in them. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, and if we remember last year, there was some uh, googly eyes between Bird and Meredith in the, mm-hmm. in the celebrations. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe not so much. Maybe 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 that's now she maybe that's was, part of the problem. Maybe she maybe was throwing Meredith googly was, eyes at Luke Voigt this year. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe maybe Meredith uh, stiff arm Bird, and it's been the root of all evil here. It's been the pro- it's been the problem. Greg Bird, you can't handle it emotionally. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Just not nobody's talked about that. There's an angle for 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 somebody to run with. Um, no, I don't know where he is, <laughs> but Luke <laughs> Luke Voigt pretty much pretty much um, took him out of this uh, out of play. We talked about this before we started recording, but I thought it was awkwardly funny when Boone was telling them to beat some ass. Mm-hmm. You said that is a common thing to say when yeah. you're trying to fire guys up. I yeah. understand. Kicks, let's go out there and kick some ass. No, I, I've be, definitely beat said some beat some ass. ass. Yeah, I want to go. Some ass let's go beat some ass right now. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. 
Like, cause you want to beat, you want to beat the teams, you want to beat them up, you want to bury them, no, no, yeah, you want to beat some that. ass. Yeah, no, never heard beat some ass. It, it kind of reminded me of when in Forty Year Old Virgin, Steve Carell's character was talking about boobs, and you could just tell he's never felt boobs before because he said they felt like a bag of sand. And right. we could tell Boone has never actually given a pump up speech before. That's why he said beat some ass. Yeah, see, I don't. I disagree. I, I think beat some ass might be. Um, maybe it's a. Maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. Maybe the kids aren't saying it today. Uh, maybe um, you know. That's there's true. what Boone's eight more years in your age group. Than yeah, he's mine. He's he's closer to mine for sure. So beat some <laughs> ass back in the '90s was a thing. And then, <laughs> maybe it's not now. Uh, can you imagine like uh, Joe Torre or, or Derek Jeter in one of those celebrations back in 2003 saying, let's go out there and beat some ass? Oh, I Jeter cannot. Jeter definitely said beat some ass. No, Jeter beat some ass, but yeah. he doesn't say it to his, his fellow teammates. He oh, yes, he did. does he, that privately. He also he also would, would pump people up by saying, let's go beat some ass. He would just say it in a, in a more serious way. Let's go beat some ass. You've never heard that? He tears that ass up. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's super common in my world. You gonna buy one of those defend the Bronx shirts? No, I'll just make one for myself. It'll probably look how can better. you how can you defend the Bronx if the game's not in the Bronx? That's what I was wondering. It's a it's an interesting tagline when you don't know where you're gonna be playing. It's because it's, it, it's specifically talking about your home field, right? And uh, everyone was was freaking out over this judge uh, captain moment when he pulled Luke Voigt aside and told him that they would not be where they are if it was not for him. Man, see, even even the boys that were in the minor leagues with Greg Bird, with JV Bird, are turning on him. It's just, it's too, it's too easy. This is just the guy comes in looking like Jason Giambi, hitting like Jason Giambi, having you know as much fun as Nick Swisher, and they love him for it. And Greg Bird is now an afterthought. I, I'm not even sure we're gonna remember his name after next year. It's crazy. He, I haven't seen him at all. He's not in the dugout. Like when we when they were on that last road trip. Remember, he's there. He just he's not. I doing know he's much. there. He's just not on camera. He's hiding. Yeah. He's he's ashamed of himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I I refer, I, I refer back to my analysis with uh, when Derek Jeter was in you, the in the. In I the talked tunnel. about this with Brian uh, on last episode. Like you were the first that came out of nowhere. I thought you were just grasping at straws. But no, you may have nailed something there. I'm telling you, man. I, I have I have an innate uh, ability to read people and see how they I did it yesterday with somebody at a game too and they're like holy crap it, there there's a body language on this guy there's a, 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 a something that he's saying with his face and I can read it and it's not good. <laughs> so we've got a little bit of good news as we're recording this. The Minnesota Twins are now up five to one over Oakland in the fifth inning. So they go. are doing the Yankees dirty work thankfully i mean but oakland scores like 97 runs right you know a weekend so who knows they, they might sh- walk it off and yeah. uh you and see that chris davis walk-off celebration where he did the jump shot with the helmet yeah i've seen that i've seen they're him do that seen before that's, they're they're feeling themselves like yeah. that that see right now if you're just comparing yankees and a's the yankees are trending down and the a's are trending up so a lot of the postseason is how are you playing at that moment, who's the hot team? The hot team's going to win just because you've had a better regular season. Like last year, the Indians had the best regular season out of anybody. But the Yankees were hotter at the right time, and they beat them. So if you're going to be playing a one game, and uh, this, the Oakland A's have steamrolled the second half, have one of the best records in baseball since June, like, you don't want to play the hot team in October. No. No, no. It's, I mean, it's going to be a very difficult game. The pitching is going to be nail-biting because these guys can all hit. 
you know, you go top to bottom, they have a bunch of young dudes who can hit. Oh, and then they have some veteran guys, you know, who are having career years. So they're they're not an easy lineup. The 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 pitching's gonna be it, it could be a slugfest, but the Yankees have to bring their bats. Um, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna start whoever they start, maybe Mike Fires, and then they'll go bullpenning after that. But uh, it's gonna be a slugfest. You're gonna have to hit you're gonna have to hit the ball. Uh, are you a little bit worried that you've mocked Billy Bean a thousand times on this podcast and he might uh, come back to beat your ass in the, in the wild card game? <laughs> no, no, because it's, you know, that's a, that's a one game. It's a play in game, in my opinion. So um, he's still got to do something. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Billy there's nothing Bean's, of record yet. Billy Bean's teams in the playoffs have never performed. No, it's true. They've never performed. And, you know, there's also that hopefully uh, if they're if they're playing this hot you know there's going to be a cool down period at some point so maybe it'll be against uh, maybe it'll be uh, towards the very end in, in a wild card you never know but the, at the bottom line is the Yankees don't want to play that game anywhere else but Yankee Stadium because they they do have um, you know a different level of confidence a different type of I mean you didn't see it today against the Orioles but I feel like in in games like that if you're going to play one game you want it to be at Yankee Stadium with the way that the ball can fly out and the way that the Yankees are built for that place so uh, to me, that's ever important. At the same time, in the same token, I think that the, I, I, again I, I said this before, but I don't think the or, or the Orioles, I don't think the A's give a rat's ass where they play. Like that's the type of team they are right now. They, they don't yep. care. They're just going to go have... and they're going to play hard and they're going to do their thing. And Oakland's going to be hope. They're hoping they're flying east regardless because they're going to have to play in Boston after that. So they just take the flight a couple days earlier and then yes, take they the may bus see up it to Boston. It's convenient. Yep. Uh, and the other question, other than where the game is going to be played, is who's going to start that game. And Hap started today, uh, which does line him up for October 3rd. So he'd start again on Friday against Boston, and then that would line him up five days later to start um, against Oakland on October 3rd. If the, I think that we will know by Tuesday who is going to start that game. Because Sever, uh, Monday is Severino's turn, and then Tuesday is Tanaka's turn. If the Yankees push either of those pitchers, that means they've got something up their sleeve to push them and line them up for the wild card game. If they let them start, I think that means Hap is going to be getting the ball on October third. Yeah, it'll be interesting because they do have, um, you know, I could see Sonny Gray coming out and, and making a start and pushing somebody back. Yep. Um, so th- I, I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. I, and honestly, like I feel like they should do that anyway. Uh, well, just at the same time, though, do you want Sonny Gray getting a spot start when you're trying to? have the game be at Yankee Stadium. Like Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, there's a, it's there's a balancing a, act here with no what, what they have to do. There's no doubt. It's it's hard for them to prepare for anything except for the fact that they they know that they're going to play in this game and they and who do you want and and is that worth more than where the game is going to be? And and to me, the way that these guys are going, Severino Hap and Tanaka, like Severino's coming off of one of his better starts. Um Tanaka's coming off one of his not so great starts. Hap looked, I mean, he had seven strikeouts today, but he only got through five. He labored uh, through innings two through five. Was a really he was throwing tough a lot of pitches, him. throwing a lot and of pitches. So, so who's better? Like, faced, it's not, that it's was not also clear. the worst team in baseball, though. Like, he wasn't facing the Red Sox lineup. He wasn't facing a good lineup today. Baltimore sucks. They're historically bad, and he threw 105 pitches in five innings. So, but my point to that is that, you know, there's no clear guy that's like the hottest right now, honestly. So then you might just want to let everyone go on their turn, Possibly. lock up home field, and let the chips fall where they may. But I doubt that. You know, I you, doubt it too. I'm I sure you have to already have a plan. know. Do you think they know right now who's starting that game? I think they have Bar- a good barring idea. Barring injury. I think they have a good idea. And I, th- I, think it's, I still think it's going to be Tanaka. See, I've changed my tune, and I think it's going to be Severino. Okay. 
because the way they talked about how good Severino looked against the Red Sox, I think that's all they were looking for was one good start out of Severino, and they could use that to springboard him because it should be Severino. Right. It, it, well, you know, if you look at what Tanaka's done on the road too, Tanaka's been exceptional this year on the road. So, um, if this game is in game's Oakland, not on the road, huh? Hopefully, the game's not on the road. Well, I know, but it could be. I'm saying if the game is on the road, that could be that could that's going to go into some decision making. It could absolutely. So the fact if they if they were to bump someone back, um, at least they'd have a, a little bit of uh, some options and what they could do. You know, maybe somebody would get an extra uh, an extra day or two, and, and like if you're gonna if that's gonna be. Um, a fallback option like Tanaka could do that. You could absolutely, uh, you know, he's proven that he could throw on extra day rest and, and be okay. Well, um, Severino, you, I don't think you ever want to do that with. If you push uh, Severino from Monday, which is his regular day, to Friday, then that lines him up for five, day, five days. If you push him to Thursday, that's six days. And I think what they do is they would push whoever they're going to start, they're mm-hmm. going to push to Thursday. Or they're going to let Hap just start on Friday. I think that's what the, I think that's my guess at what the plan is. And then I, I think they, they look at it as a good thing. Give a guy an extra day's rest before that wild card game. Yeah, I don't especially think it's a, with I don't think it's a terrible thing. With with Severino, it worries me a little bit, but um to, especially Tanaka for sure. There, I, I think there's absolutely no question that that doesn't make a difference for Tanaka. And I know they keep saying we're not looking ahead to Boston, but I think Severino starting also gives them the best chance to beat Boston. Again, because that gives Hap game one and game five. That gives Tanaka game two, which is on the road. And then that gives Severino game three, which is at home, which is where he's better. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, you, I mean, they're going to have to look forward. It, there's, it would be, it would be um, you know, uh, irresponsible not to look forward beyond that game, at least to, to some extent. You have to see what's, of, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, how much that plays into your decision-making you know that's that. That to me is where the where the question marks are, and like how much you're supposed to actually let that in there, because you obviously have to win the one game first. But you also don't want to be ill prepared that if you do win the, that game, um, you know you have things set up the way you want them as much as you possibly can control for the the next series. So there does need to be a level of looking forward. It just can't be too much. You just can't. And that's why I think that having these three guys, uh, you know, be be so close. Um, mm-hmm. to, to kind of what you're going to get at this point. There's not really a terrible decision, honestly. No, like, I'm not I don't think g- one, could, there's, one could go, you could say this and like you, you get killed for that because well, they're, I think they're all pretty close. I think that would be unfair if whoever they choose, we then kill them if that guy doesn't pitch well. I mean, I understand that, you gotta, that it's their job to pick the right pitcher, but I honestly do think it's kind of a coin flip between these three guys. No doubt. No, that's what I'm saying. So that, that's why I, I think whoever they choose, it's like it's really not uh, – at that point, it's, it's just on the pitcher to execute because all but, three of them have the ability and right now are pitching well enough to, do, to execute in that wild card game. But you would go with Tanaka? Uh, yeah, I would go with Tanaka. I, I think I, he's been the, the best pitcher for the last month, the most consistent for the last month. He's a gamer. We've seen it. Um, uh, he's just, to me, that would be the guy. Well, you're using his October last year as the I'm, evidence. I'm using that, that October last year. I'm using, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, well, I'm he, using, and I'm using what he's done in the, in the past month. Uh, it's yeah. not the, not one week. It's not one Cumul- start. Cumulative pretty much since he returned from the DL. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about him and his numbers in a few minutes, but since he's returned from the DL overall, he's been very, very good. Yes. Yeah. So I think there's um, a lot of trust in him. Rank them though. If it, who's your second option? Um, uh, it would be Severino. I think 
I think Hap's the third option for me. Does it have anything to do with the fact that Hap is new to the team? Or is it just because... No, I don't really care about that at all. he's not as good of a pitcher? I don't care about that at all. I, I think that Hap and his... Uh, Hap can get uh, a little erratic with the walks, and that scares me against a team like Oakland who could put up a lot of runs quickly and, and, can, uh, you know, and can hit the ball all over the place. So I think Hap... I think Hap could be very hittable against against Oakland. Personally, I think like well, he pitched really well against them when the Yankees were. That's the only game they won. A I understand weeks ago that, when but they now they're Oakland. they're also seeing him again, and and yep. you know that's that to me is is also um, a reason and, why he gets downgraded. And another reason why it might be Tanaka is because the Oakland did not see Tanaka in that series, and right. they saw Severino and hit Severino. Yes. I know there was a lot of issues with Gary Sanchez and Severino in that game, so it wasn't only that Severino was getting crushed by Oakland, but they did hit a lot of balls hard off of them. Yeah, but it was, it was a, also a small sample size, too, so I'm sure. kind of throwing that game away. Um, they didn't see good Severino, that's for they sure. They did not see good Severino. No. So, yep. so that's why I think I would do that. And then Hap, I don't know, his walks, his walks worry me a little bit you know, with a team like that. Um, and, and, you know, and they can hit the ball out of the ballpark, and they can score a ton of runs. Uh, and you know, if there's runners on base, obviously those home runs become more of a problem. So... Uh, I guess that's why I'm that's where I'm, that's where I'm leaning. I, I almost feel stupid saying this, but I, I kind of have to say it. Shame on the Yankees for letting it even get to this position. They, they should not be in the position right now where they have to go the last seven games of the year, four in Tampa, four at the Red Sox, and have to fight for home field in the wild card. I did not think there was any chance of that happening. If you had asked me back on say August fifteenth or wherever, whatever, pick a date a month and a half ago, yeah. I did not think they were going to be in this position. No, well, there's two factors. One, they've played like dog shit. <laughs> the, uh, and, you know, part of the reason is because uh, there have been numerous injuries. That's not an excuse, but it is part of what has happened. And then the guys who, you know, a lot of the, you know, the Gary Sanchez of the world, yes, he's been hurt, but he's also played horribly when he's been back. So uh, offensively, at least, you know, there, there's been some defensive uh, issues. I think he's been, I think he's over the past, um, you know, four or five days, he's played better defensively. We've seen some, uh, I think, just better play from him, but... Um, and then, and then, who could have predicted the the torrid, you know, run that that Oakland has made as well? So that that also goes into it. But it's the, even if they made that run and the Yankees, um, you know, acted uh, uh, even a little sniffed what they were in the first half, like it should have been out of out of reach. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, another thing that has not gone well, and that's the bullpen. Other so the bullpen as a whole has. Um, when you just think of the, uh, think of their overall performance, you think, oh, they, they've been terrible this month. And really, when you look at it, the, the guys who we're going to rely on in the playoffs have still been good or very good. It's the A.J. Coles, Luis Sessa, uh, Canely, Loisica, all these mop-up guys who have had to pitch a lot recently because their starters don't go deep, because Boone has used them in weird situations, like he used Cole today in a two-run game in a high-leverage situation, they've all been terrible. A.J. Cole gets the ball today after Hap in a game the Yankees need to win. His last 13 appearances coming in today, 15 innings, 23 hits, 13 earned runs, and a 1,062 OPS allowed. He's, he's allowing opposing hitters to be Mike Trout, and he's getting the ball in a two-run game when the Yankees are, quote, going pedal to the metal. What yeah. the hell is going on? And this is after, and this is after we saw him uh, his last uh, what was it Friday when he pitched against the Orioles and was was terrible as well. You're, so this this he's been so badly. I don't know why 
he's even on this roster right now. Like, legitimately, why is he there? The, the roster's expanded. You could have a number of other people that that could that are, even if they're bad, they're not as bad as what he's been. Try like, something Justin different. Sheffield in that situation. Try anything different. I would not be killing Boone right now if he just tried something different. And if it didn't work, well, then it didn't work. I get what he's trying to do because uh, Green, D-Rob, Britton, Batances have all pitched a lot. They've had to pitch a lot. So he's trying to avoid overusing them as they go to the playoffs. Fine. That's his philosophy. That's the organizational philosophy. It's not going to change no, no matter how much we yell about it. But when Cole does not work and we know he's not going to work, try something different. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely no reason why A.J. Cole should throw any... Any type of innings at all for the New York Yankees at this point in the season. There's just no, there's really no excuse for it. Like, honestly, he should be DFA'd because he's he's a waste of a spot. There's no reason for him to be on this team. He it can't was fun. throw It was a over. Fun, fun little thing for two weeks. It, it, and when, he, when we first got him and before even Adam Warren left, it was right when Adam Warren left, honestly, is when he turned bad. <laughs> when he actually had yeah. to be relied upon. He, he looked good. He looked pretty good, actually, before Warren was gone. Then they said, okay... Inter- international pool money, give me some international pool money. We've turned it into good players. It'll potentially be going towards other good players. They used it. They signed some guys, shipped Adam Warren to Seattle. AJ Cole, you're now in the Adam Warren spot, and he's been freaking horrible ever since. Ever since, he's been bad. And, you know, when you're coming down in the, in, in the last two weeks of the season and you're in a two-run game against the Baltimore freaking Orioles who already – basically fired their manager, have half of, uh, uh, of uh, the Norfolk Tides playing on their team, and you have uh, freaking just every, every other player who was worth a goddamn on that team has been shipped out somewhere. Uh, it's, it's just lighting up A.J. Cole. There's no reason for him to be on this team. Zero reason. Why would you put him in at all? Just the, the, the meatballness of the two pitches he served up for home runs today. Like they, pl- yes, played it in slow motion. You just spinning slider, Spinners. just going right to the middle of the zone, barrel of the bat. Like you blinked an eye, and the Orioles had three runs. Yeah, it was it was horrible. And, and after that, also- you know what? And and if you are going to bring him in, you better goddamn well have someone <laughs> up behind him and have a very quick hook. You can't let a guy a like hook, that have two hundred. He faced three batters and he scored three runs. I know, but as soon as there's one home run, gone. Like, you can't let him face another batter. You can't. (laughs) Uh, And let's also not forget the fact that the Yankees scored three runs in the first inning, caught a huge break. Alex Cobb has a little blister and has to leave the game in the first batter. Mike Wright Jr. and his 547 ERA comes in and shuts the Yankees down. they They were unconscious zombies sleepwalking through this game. What the hell? Well, they're hungover from all the popping of champagne. They've never been there before, so they don't know how to play hungover. Um, they look like they look like me when I was playing in an in ABA game, drinking vodka, Red Bull vodkas in the parking lot, trying to come in playing first base, missing three balls in a row because I couldn't literally see the ball, and I pulled myself out in the middle of a game, middle of an inning, because I, I was your, like, I can't tap your helmet. I, I, need, like, I, I need air, coach. I need air. Yeah, we were self-managed. This is a, like a Sunday league. I was like, boys, I can't see the ball. Someone else got to go over there. <laughs> I see four balls right now. I don't know which one to catch, yeah. so I'm pulling myself out. There, there's, there's no reason for it. Act like you've been there. <clears throat> um, uh, this week, Boone and Cashman were both asked about Gary Sanchez and if he's going to catch the wild card game. 
and the Yankees are tripling down on Gary Sanchez. Cashman uh, was quoted that he's our best game caller, shuts down the running game, handles the staff well, and we need to get him in the lineup for us to go deep in the postseason. So do you think, how much of this do you think is that they actually believe that for the short term? And how much of it is, is it that we cannot give up on this guy because he needs to be our catcher for the next decade? Well, I don't, I don't think they're thinking the next decade, but uh, like in this, in these comments, yeah, in the future. Um, yeah, I think they need him. I think they need him right now. I think they need to throw. All, I think he's throwing all support behind him because they need him in a good place. Like they need that. They need him to be Gary Sanchez, and it's getting late early, as as Yogi would say. Uh, you know, it's just getting to a it's point late now. So it's getting late, late. It's getting it's getting to a point where. Where you know you're just seeing like today I saw a good at bat like that that single up the middle I was like okay there was a little spark of optimism to me because there was a ball that was um, that was breaking away from the plate going down in the zone and you know a couple days ago it's a, a, a every time a swing and a miss swing and a miss swing and a miss and he went with the ball and and lined it up the middle and I thought it was a good piece of hitting and I'm I'm, I'm thinking to myself okay maybe maybe this is you know one of those one of those signs that that he could possibly come out of this and he's starting to see the ball better because to me that's one of those you know, one of those key things. If he's hitting that ball or laying off of it, then then he's you know starting to get a little bit more right. Um, but yeah, I think they they're at a point where they're desperate, and the fact that they don't know what else to do but throw their support behind the guy who I mean he is their catcher. He's going to be their catcher next year. He's their catcher, yeah. so they have to throw it. I and and I agree that that Gary Sanchez should be the catcher in the wild card game, but I but I really do think that this is as much if not more about the future than it is about the short term. It's, it's just out of time I, to be critical. I understand the argument. Critical. If someone's making an argument that Austin Romine helps the Yankees more for the next two weeks and into the postseason than Gary Sanchez, I have a hard time fighting against that because of what I've seen all season. Mm-hmm. But I really do not think they can give up on Gary Sanchez. I think he's a little bit fragile, and I think that if they give up on him, then we, they may be giving up on Gary Sanchez forever, and they're not going to do that. No, sure, absolutely not. And... Look, it, it, there's a week left in the season. What, where's the time to be critical of guys at this point? There is none. What's the point of that? Uh, there's no, there's no like w- to blast him in the media. What is that going to no, do? It's for not your about team blasting in him in the media, but it's the question that they have to answer because it's a legitimate question. Don't That's you fine, but it's it, the thing is at this point right now dealing with this season in, in the situation that they're in currently. I, I just don't see a, a, a you know any. Any positive to start getting negative about a guy that that, that you need? You know what I mean? Like, say that again. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't yeah, that. it's another yogiism. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills right now, but the there's just no reason for it. Like, I, there's, there's no, no benefit. benefit. There's no benefit to criticizing him no, at this point. Not at this point. Everybody knows what what the deal is. He's been horrible. He knows it. Boone knows it. Everybody in the organization knows how bad he's been. It's not new. It's not. It's not anything that anybody hasn't not talked about at nauseum. We all know what this guy is right now. We know the potential. I feel. I hate saying that, and I hate talking about it still, because I, I feel like I'm talking about Greg Bird again in that way. But we've seen well, way bigger sample Gary sizes San- with Gary it, Sanchez. Thank yeah. you very much. At least with Gary Sanchez, when you say potential, you have two solid or a year and a half of really good performance. Yes. Greg, Greg Bird, you have a couple of weeks. Like when you pile them all together, it's maybe five weeks. So Gary Sanchez is a guy that they've seen him before. He's he's literally had the team on his back in the past, 
And and this guy was, you know, he was Babe Ruth for a friggin' month a couple years ago. Like this, he was he was like the the most devastating right-handed bat. You know, he was Manny Ramirez. I mean, that that's the those are the comparisons we were talking about for a guy as a right-handed bat. Like he was one of not not one of the best right-handed catching bats. One of the right best right-handed bats in the game at the at that time. Like that's how good he was. So this this is not a guy that 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 we haven't seen this before. So at this point during the season. Fine. Throw your throw your support behind that guy because nothing's changing at this point. So on Saturday's broadcast, Kay said he's talking about Chris Davis because Chris Davis and his one fifty batting average were up. And he said, What can Chris Davis take into the winter to hang his hat on? He asked Singleton and Paul O'Neill, and they really didn't have an answer. But I, I thought, well, if Gary Sanchez continues this and has a bad rest of the regular season and does nothing in the playoffs, what does Gary Sanchez take into the offseason to hang his hat on? I don't think it's so much of a hang your hat thing. I mean, why do you have to hang your hat on something? Why can't you just be like, well, that season did not go well. Everything about it was horrible. I need to get better. I need to work on my blocking. I need to make sure I'm in better shape so that I could be there for my team. Now why he's do in the I have the best shape of his life right now. Why do I have to go back and hang my hat on something? I don't understand he's that. He's svelte right now. Yeah, it's, it's, like I, 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 I just svelte. don't like... It's a Yiddish word. Svelte, yeah, okay. I don't get... I don't know why we have to like have something to hang our head on. No, it was a bad season. He knows that. He doesn't have to like bullshit himself into thinking that, oh, well, this was good. No, there was nothing good from the season that he could take away. <laughs> Just get better. Get healthier. Get more in, in shape. Work on your defense. And come back with, you know, a, a, res- with a resurgence and just be a better Gary Sanchez. That's, that's to me what he needs to do. He needs to, you know, that. Just that. There's mm-hmm. no positive. <laughs> there could be, though. Uh, we can make he, something if, up. If he wants to lie to himself and bullshit no, 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 around. No. What I'm saying is it, I think that if Gary Sanchez has a big uh, postseason and helps oh. the Yankees win some games in the postseason, no doubt. You, forget, you forget about the entire crummy disaster of a regular season. 1,000%. You can absolutely you can absolutely redeem yourself. You can get that confidence back. And if you want to hang your hat on something that hasn't happened yet, because nothing that has happened is, uh, is worthy of that, then yes, focus on what is ever, in front of you. Have you ever heard this cliche before? Everybody's zero and zero when the postseason starts. No doubt about it. And it's very, very damn true. Batting batting averages and home run totals all reset to zero. Yep. What have you done for me lately? That's it. Um, Let's talk about the last game of the Boston series. So, uh, unfortunately, the Yankees couldn't complete the sweep, and we had to watch the Red Sox clinch the division in the Bronx. We knew it was inevitable, but we were just hoping it wouldn't happen on – on the home turf, I guess the Yankees didn't really do a good job defending the Bronx there. Well, they didn't have the t-shirts yet, so they didn't know they had to defend the Bronx. I, okay, I, I give them a pass then. But Tanaka um, had been so good. Entering Thursday's game, 12 starts, 75 in a third innings, 2.39 ERA, and only a 663 OPS allowed, which is like in Gary Sanchez territory. And then uh, on Thursday, four plus innings, eight hits, five runs, and eighty-three on eighty-three pitches. And he's really struggled against Boston this year. In nineteen in- innings, he has a seven fifty-eight ERA with a, over a thousand OPS allowed, six home runs allowed, twenty-nine hits. So for whatever reason, this year Boston has had Tanaka's number. Yeah, ended the uh, the 20, 20 consecutive scoreless innings. That stop. ended. Quickly on Thursday. Yeah, uh, I guess he's not going for the uh, Oral Hershiser mark of, what was it, 59? <laughs> I think something like that. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, it's, I think when you see what Tanaka did there, it's, uh, it's it definitely, 
uh, puts a, a, a little bit of doubt, a, a tinge of doubt into your mind because before that game, everybody thought that he's, you know, he's the guy right now. He's, he's been pitching the best. Uh, and then, and then he did that. But at the same time, you look at what he's done over the time. And I think it was more of a blip than it was, um, you know, Tanaka's not that guy anymore. So I don't know. I don't know what you could, what you're really going to take from that uh, long-term unless you're looking at it and, and seeing more things and saying, okay, something's not right. This needs to be fixed. But I didn't see that. I thought he just had a bad day. He was nibbling. And I think part of it was the strike zone was pretty tight. And mm-hmm. you can tell that in the first inning, he wasn't yes. getting that slider on the outside corner. Uh, but the strike zone was the same for both teams. So, but the Yankees also hit um, Rodriguez. So he was walking. Didn't Rodriguez have seven walks? Yes, he did. And, and- right. So the, the strike zone was tight. And when Tanaka, who is lives on the outer edges of the strike zone and he lives on people chasing his slider and his splitter that's going to be tough for him right. the red sox are a patient team but he threw a ton of pitches in four innings um he was nibbling part of it was the strike zone part of it was i i just don't think we saw sh- the sharp tanaka we had seen for 12 starts no and and but but to your point too like some of those pitches even in the first inning were like super close and usually are called strikes as well um but you can't really it's hard to it's hard to see how it's hard to, to to factor that into the decision. You want to see how he was throwing the ball, how he felt. Uh, but again, you know he's been so good le- recently, and it's not like I saw a, a guy that was just terrible. Um, I thought that he was a little off, and uh, you know I, I thought it was just a not not as not a great day for him. I, I, that's that's really what I chalk it up to. I didn't see anything that was concerning to me. And if you're just a little bit off against the Red Sox, you're screwed. Yeah, that's you. You got to be on, you got to be on your game. There's no doubt about it, especially against that team. Uh, Boone's bullpen management. A lot of people were also questioning this. So he tried to push Chad Green for two innings. That didn't work out. Bradley Jr. hit a home run off of him. Then he brings in Dellen Batanzas with an inherited runner, which I, I guess is not in Boone's binder. It's, I thought it was left over from the Girardi era. Don't use Batanzas with a runner on uh, inherited runners because he, he just, his mind combusts and he can't handle it. Um, there was poor defense in that inning. Aaron Hicks is trying to make a hero throw to third base for no goddamn reason no that reason. allowed more more runners to score um and then th- this is the one i really question is chapman comes in in a high leverage spot and he gives up a three-run home run to bets it's the first time chapman's pitching after this after the disabled list we knew chapman was going to struggle be rusty in his first outing because when he doesn't pitch for a long time he's rusty he needs to pitch on a regular schedule to be sharp and he came in couldn't find the plate gives up a home run I don't know what Boone expected I don't know what the Yankees expected like I would have totally used him in that nine to one game I know you disagreed with me on last last episode but why not get his feet wet when the game doesn't matter and then let him pitch in high leverage spots and they even said it after the game Chapman was talking about how I understand I'm going to pitch in less uh less important spots going forward just until I am back to being myself until it's a a tie game and we need you to pitch uh, on Saturday, the I, I just don't think it makes as much of a difference as you. You think it's more of a factor for the way that he pitches. I don't think it's as much of a factor in the way that he pitches because, uh, you know, in if he's off, he's off. Like I don't care how many days he's pit. The the guy can't locate a fastball. We saw that before he got hurt too. Where you know even when he had pitched more regularly, if he comes in and can't locate a fastball, he's in deep shit. Especially against a team like this, you can't use your slider as your as your executing pitch against the Boston Red Sox. You just can't. They were they were spitting on the fastball because they knew he couldn't throw for a strike. And Mookie Betts was just waiting for that you know you know mediocre B level slider, and he 
you know, he tattooed it. So you just can't do it. I, I didn't have a, a big problem with the way that Boone used the, the bullpen in that game because the pitchers just did not execute. And, you know, we're talking about the, the names that we all trust and want him to use, and these guys just didn't execute. Like, I, again, don't have a problem with Chad Green going two innings either because uh, if you start looking at some of these alternatives, they're not that great. Maybe I, I'd And Chad Green's done the two-inning thing uh, and had success with it. So well, I, the, the bullpen at that point was rested because they didn't use any of their big guns the night before because it was a blowout. I, I understand that. I just don't. Chad Green's one of the guys. So there was going no reason. To, no there was with. no, but there was no reason to push Chad Green for two innings. You could have gone Green, D. Rob, Batances, Britain if you wanted to. I, I mean, I guess again, it, 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 to me, it's it's not as much of a difference. If Chad Green okay. looked good and you wanted to run him out there uh, for a second inning, and you know. It's fine. Like, make the decision on that. If you think he looks good, yeah, I, no, I have trusted Chad Green. I do too. Um, we have a mailbag these are these are not guys like AJ Cole who who are, are coming out there. You're, you're bringing a guy who was just called up in in a situation like this. Um, so, I, I, to me, I don't have a problem with that. And honestly, Chapman has showed in the past that when he's in in a non-safe situation, he pitches like shit too. So, yep. like, what do you want from this guy? The guy well, he can't pitch in, in non-safe situations. He can't pitch unless he's pitched every day or you know frequent use. Can't pitch right when he gets off the DL. Obviously, he didn't get enough throws throws in you know in the side sessions and things to make him feel comfortable to throw a goddamn fastball over the plate. Like, what do you want? The guy can't throw a fastball over the plate as the the uh, you know one of the highest paid closers in baseball and. He's been doing this his entire career. It's a fastball. Throw it over the plate. <laughs> wow. Oh, I think I think the bigger issue here is that Chapman has really struggled against Boston in his career. So, career numbers against Boston. 17 innings, 16 hits, 16 walks, and a 7.41 ERA. He's had one inning when he was with the Cincinnati Reds against the Red Sox, and it was a scoreless inning. So we're basically talking about 16 innings, 16 hits, 16 walks against the Red Sox as a New York Yankee. That's a bigger concern to me than if we want to use him um, coming off the DL, if you want to put him a high leverage, low, rev- low leverage, whatever you're talking about. The fact that he struggles against Boston, it's kind of a perfect storm for him against the Red Sox because they hit fastballs, they don't strike out a lot, and they don't uh, swing at bad pitches. So if he's not locating, he's totally screwed. Yeah, no, this is great. So, so the one when he had success it was with the Reds when the Red Sox played the Cincinnati Reds, and nobody gave a rat's ass <laughs> about that game. And he comes in and does what he has to do, and he comes over to the Yankees, and there's some pressure because it's the Yankees Red Sox, and uh, and we're walking guys, not able to execute and throw a fastball over the plate. Like to me, that's a huge. I don't really understand that when when you're basically a two pitch pitcher and your your second pitch is. You know, it's it's uh, it's within his career. It's like relatively newer, right? Like the fastball is his pitch. That's what got you paid. That's what made you all of your money. That's what got you to where you are today. Is your fastball, and you can't throw that for a strike. We got problems. And the numbers over the last few years as a Yankee. I mean, the Red Sox lineup has been essentially the same for that entire time, with, with the exception of JD Martinez. Talking about Mookie Betts and Bogarts and um, uh, Bradley Jr. and Benintendi. Like, these guys have all been there for a long time. So those are the guys he's facing, and those are the guys he's not getting out. Yeah, it, I, it's concerning. Um, you probably need, after this weekend, Scott, a good night's rest. Is that true? No, I <laughs> badly. I badly need a, a, a good night's rest. And thankfully, uh, we got sleep number bed that is able to give me exactly the rest that I need 
Um, it does per- improve my performance. I can tell you that much when I'm, when I'm doing things, when I'm at work um, every day, I need to be able to focus and having a good night's sleep gives me more energy. It lets me focus a lot more. I can be sharp. I can make better t-shirts. I can, uh, I can do all the things that I need to do a lot better. I'm in a better mood, more productive, all of these things. The new sleep number is 360 bed helps everyone from their parents to pro athletes improve their daily performance through proven quality sleep. Not to mention so many couples disagree on their mattress firmness. Sleep number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side. So both is right for you. That's perfect for me. Um, I like a more firm mattress. My wife likes uh, something that's a little less and she gets sink into. So it works great for us. Uh, The new beds are so smart. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. At Sleep Number Store, you can see and feel how the bed contours and release pressure points within the individual fit technology. You can actually feel the difference. So come into our Sleep the newest Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Uh, it's your competitive edge from 19 from I'm sorry from $999. Come in and see the new Sleep Number 360 Bed. Um, you could go to one of the stores. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL as well. You'll find Sleep Number at one of their 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx for the nearest one to you. Okay, let's get to mailbag questions. The first up is from Brett Hale. He says, I don't think that people are quite understanding the magnitude that this Chapman injury could have on the team if he doesn't come back the same. We have four former closers on the roster and as shaky at Chapman and, and have been as shaky at Chapman at times. Who would you be comfortable closing games in the postseason? So we kind of talked about it already, but I think the bullpen struggles are being misunderstood. Because if you look at the September numbers for these guys, Chad Green has a 2.16 ERA. Robertson has a 3.12 ERA. Betances has an even 3 ERA. I understand he's blown two games, which is not good. Uh, he's probably been the worst out of their high leverage guys. And then Britain has a, a zero ERA. Britain's been really, really good in the month of September. Yeah, and that's what I circle. I circle Britain, uh, a guy, I and mean, we have a number of guys here who have done this before. Um, Batances has closed in the past. I don't think anybody wants him to be the closer. Uh, D Rob um, is is a guy that that you know has a comfort level in in the ninth inning and could do it. But Britain is definitely you know the guy for me. He would be the guy that you that would be uh, closing out, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, you know, he was he was um, you know the best reliever in baseball a couple of years ago, um, and not to say that he's back to that guy, but we're seeing a lot. We're we're seeing a lot closer uh, of of performances that Zach Britton has put out. Um, you know, recently he's been a lot better. He's not walking the guys that he was when he first came over. That was concerning, but I feel like he's cleaned that up. He's a lot sharper at this point, and he's got the experience in the uh, in in the in the ninth inning as well. So um, he would be my guy. Yeah, I agree, but I, I do think that they're going to try and get Chapman back to a good spot and use him in the postseason as the closer. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just talking about the fact that if, if Chapman if he's wasn't, not, yeah, yeah, uh, but, uh, but also no, I with think Britain, that's the, I think. That, the number yeah. one thing, sorry, the number one thing is is to get Chapman right. They want yeah. Chapman right because that makes the rest October. of them better. Chapman was good last October. Um, the thing with Britain, though, I think why he's a dangerous weapon in the postseason is because a lot of times what what happens in the postseason when guys blow save blow saves, they give up a big home run because there's not a lot of base runners in the postseason because the pitching is tighter. It's just in general you're facing higher competition, and the pitching usually doesn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, it's colder weather, so a solo home run is a lot of times how these games shift. 
And Britain doesn't give up a lot of home runs. So I think that's why he's also a good piece to use in late innings. Yeah, no doubt. That heavy sinker plays well um, to, to you know, postseason ball and just, uh, like you said, to keep the ball out of the air. Um, they want to they wanna do that as much as possible. And, um, you know, I, I think the one thing you want to look at is he probably doesn't have as much postseason experience. So well, that, that could blame be... Blame Buck Showalter on that. You could absolutely blame <laughs> Buck Showalter for that one, for not using him. Um, but... But yeah, that's that would be you know the one area where where you're looking at you know you're not sure where you're going to get as much from a guy like him in in a, a high leverage uh, playoff game. But you know nothing nothing about his composure or his makeup seemingly so far has has you know said that he's not going to be able to to uh, to buck up for something like that. And he seems like a competitor that doesn't really seem like much bothers him. You want to hear a hot take from my dad? He texted me after the game today and he says since Buck Showalter is going to be fired, I think the Yankees should fire Aaron Boone and hire Buck back. Dude, I don't know if I can handle Buck Showalter. Uh, <laughs> they post thought games. the Yankees like Cashman thought Girardi was too intense. Like, yeah, there's nobody more intense than Buck Showalter. Yeah, no, no, it's and dry. God damn, is he dry? Uh, it, it would be. I, I love Buck for when he was with the Yankees. I don't think I can handle him now. All right, the next question is from at Best Worst Wife on Twitter. How confident are you with Boone's managing skills going into the postseason? How much is Boone to blame for losing many of the, quote, must-win games this season? Not that this was a bad season. It just felt awkward at times. How far do the Yankees have to go in the postseason for Boone to keep his job? Um, I'm really most – so a month ago, if you had asked me, uh, Mm -hmm. is there any chance that Boone loses his job, I'd say 0%. Yeah. I I still – it's very low percent. But if the Yankees either – get bounced in the one-game wild card or lose home field in the wild card and then have to go to Oakland and lose, I'm not, I could see a scenario where they move on. Mm, I don't. I, I, don't see, I don't see that scenario because, I mean, Cashman has, has uh, you know, he's, he's very much attached to, to what Aaron Boone does. And, and yes, and I, I kind of agree. It's been an awkward season in the sense that um, the record's good. You're looking at that, and and if you just looked at what that record was at the end of the year, and you're like, oh, Yankees had a good year. Um, it's just the way that it's the way that it's finished for the last month and a half, two months has just been, you know, so uneasy. And we, we should all be real happy and like pumped up and like super positive because we're going to the playoffs. And it just doesn't feel that way. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know Yankee fans that are like super positive at this point. I don't know how you possibly can be honestly right. when you look at the way that they play and what and the way that things have gone down. Um, I don't think that he loses his job. I think there's. I don't think. I think there's a zero I don't think chance. he loses. I don't think he loses his job either. What I'm saying is, it, I I would have said zero percent a month ago, and now right. I'm at like one and a half percent. Okay. Yeah. I I don't see it because the other thing is, like, when he had a fully healthy lineup in the first half, what happened? They were dominant. Um, so he could look back at that too. A lot of people could look back at that. A lot of people are looking back at that. But the um, uh, so I, I don't think it's fair to to. To, to say that at this point, honestly, because, you know, at the end of the day, they did, you know, they won a lot of games um, and they are going to the playoffs. Uh, but at the same at the same token on, on, on that as well, Joe Girardi got to one, you know, one inning away from uh, the, the World Series last year and he got fired. So what do you do? Things could come out of nowhere, but I just don't see it happening just because of there's so many ties with this front office. Are you worried about his bullpen management or any sort of his management in the playoffs? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be keeping a closer eye on it. I don't know if I'm necessarily, they have so, they have so many guys in, uh, for, for playoff situations in the bullpen to use. 
Um, you know, these right. guys AJ that we're talking Cole, about are not going to be Tommy options. Chainley, Loisica, uh, Louis they're not going to be They're options. not getting innings in the exactly. postseason. Exactly. So he's so, basically going to be picking between Chad Green right. and Robertson and Batances yes. and, and Britton, etc. And if one of those guys messes up, well, then that's really on those guys, not on Aaron Boone. Unless unless there's a, a situation that calls for something that's you know right. that's completely you bring wild. In, you bring in Della Batances with the bases loaded and nobody out. It's like okay, right. what the hell are you doing? Bring yeah, in bring in somebody else in that scenario. But, exactly. But even but I, it even, would be tough. I, no, it would be tough because the, all these guys are are are, are good and they're all effective. Uh, the majority of them. So it would be. Um, so I, I'm not as concerned in that way. I, I think he he has you know somewhat of a feel for his guys. I think that was a lot of what we saw early on. Uh, I'm not as down on Boone as a lot of people are this year. I think there, a lot of them are growing pains, uh, but I, I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think you can say a 95-win team that the manager has been terrible. Oh, I think a lot of people think he's terrible. I think a lot of people think he's terrible. People overreact. But, I know they do. But I think that some of what he's said and some of what he's done don't make they, – they don't match up. <laughs> And there's nothing I hate more than people who who say one thing and do the other. Like that's why we hate Sonny Gray because he sits there and, and says bullshit stuff to the media. Like he's got to find the strike zone and keep it simple and, and just focus out there. And he goes out there and he poops his pants in the first inning. Yeah, nobody knows about pooping their pants, but you. I mean, it, this is this is a situation that you know about. So the the fact is, well, then Sonny, you know what? I could give some advice to Sonny. <laughs> he should call me up and I can tell him, listen, man, I've shit myself in an airport before. Yeah. I I threw my underwear out and I. We don't need the graphic <laughs> details. Save, spare us. But you know, Aaron Boone is also uh, he's he's been in the media for a long time, so he's also you know very very much used to talking out of his ass. He, you know, this is something that he's 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 uh, he's grown accustomed to. Gotta, so he knows how like, to handle he knows how to handle a situation when people are asking questions. Defer, say what they want. ESPN. Say what, yeah, say what they want to hear. Yeah. <clears throat> Jason says this is the seventh year of the one game wild card format, and the Yankees will have now played in three of them. Also note that an AL East team has played in the game every year except 2014 when it was um, Oakland versus Kansas City. Do you guys like the format? That's kind of interesting that an AL East team has pretty much always been in it. Yeah. Um, do I like the format? I, I personally don't like the format. And the reason the reason being right right now, so everybody's talking about the race. It, it, it brings more eyeballs to baseball. It's another it's another game on on you know who's going to uh, who's gonna who's gonna play brings another fan base into it. Well, and that's happened in the past. There's no doubt about it. There's been some excitement. You look at this year; it's not really the case uh, because right now it would actually be who's making the playoffs: the Oakland Hayes or the Yankees. Because it wouldn't be uh, you know a, a definite that they're playing each other and where the game's going to be. It's who's going to play um, you know in the ALDS. And to me, that's more intrigue. But you know, it's just the way it works out. I I just don't like the fact that it comes down to one game after you have uh, an entire season. So that, that's the only problem for me. But it, it definitely brings the excitement. But if you didn't have the one-game wild card, then for the last month, you wouldn't have Tampa or Seattle also fighting for a playoff spot. 
Maybe. I mean, Tampa would, would still kind of been in there, and Seattle kind of faded anyway. No, but Tampa was always about six to eight games behind the Yankees, whereas yeah. they were only a handful of games behind the A's. I mean, what did that do? Did that bring a lot of excitement, honestly? Yeah, did, Tampa yeah. sold out. Did Seattle bring a lot of excitement to, to this race? No. Tampa okay. Bay, no. in September, averaged 14,000 fans instead of 13,000 fans. Yeah, so. So, and, there were, and there were Yankee fans coming in just to see what was going on. The... You know, it, I, I don't know, I, and this is an isolated year because in the past it's definitely it's definitely been. And there's been you know, years where you could. Yeah, there's a dozen teams who yes. are still yes. ho- hoping for the playoffs, and so that's this why year it's, it's been this year. I mean, the National League has been a little bit closer than the American League this year. The American League has been so top heavy. Yes. like you've got all these ninety win teams, and you've got a bunch of teams winning like sixty and seventy games. Yeah, and they all beat the Yankees, but <laughs> they um. It, 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 this, is, this year is an outlier, for sure. But, and uh, that's why it's there. It's to bring in more base, fan base, and I, I understand that. The wild card winner in the division series is 6-6. Six and six. So you'd think that, oh, that team has the disadvantage because they have to play that one game and then travel, and then they have to use their best pitcher. But they're 500 in those, in those um, series playing the top seed. Yeah, it's interesting to... Interesting to see how, how it's going to go. You know, I, I just don't think it much. I think I think when you're looking at that, and I think part of this goes into the fact that you know, uh, the theoretically, if you're looking at that wild card team, you know, they may be one of the more the, one of the hotter teams that are coming up, and it's how they're playing. So uh, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about before. If you have a hot team coming in, it doesn't matter where you're coming in. Um, you know, if you are bringing up the bottom and you're and you're playing well to get into that last wild card spot, well, you're playing well at that point. You could take out anybody. I think that they actually make it too easy on the wild card teams. So they have the Yankees are going to play Sunday, and then they don't play till Wednesday, and then they don't play again until Friday. That that's a lot of off days. I think yeah, they should just. I think they should just cram it in. Like the season ends on on Sunday, you got to play that wild card game on Monday, and then the division series starts on Wednesday. Give them one day to travel. I, yeah, well, I, they, I, they have to. Um, they have to allow for tiebreak uh, day for a tiebreaker game if it's necessary as well. So they have to allow for okay, a couple so fine. Of then play the, the allow that to be Monday, and then yeah. two. I guess because last year the Yankees played on Tuesday, yeah. Um, but this year they're the Wednesday game. So the National League will play on Tuesday and then start on Thursday. But I think there's too many off days because I actually do think that it might hurt the team who has to sit from Sunday to Thursday or Friday. Well, yeah, I think that was a, a part of the argument with Cleveland last year too. Is you know they they sat for a while, they they kind of knew what they were they were doing. They got hot at a different time. Is, how is that going to affect them in in the playoffs? And you know may, whether it did or not, um, they didn't they didn't certainly do as well as they expected themselves to do. So, hmm. last questions from Vinny Ayula. You guys brought up the lack of production uh, out of first base position this year on today's podcast. So this is a couple days old. And I totally get it because that's what it feels like to me too. Yet Luke Voigt now has nine homers. Tyler Austin had eight before he was traded. Greg Bird has 11. And Neil Walker has 10, although he probably hit a few at second and third base. That's 38 home runs out of that position and counting. My question is, should we be giving credit where credit is due here and giving Boone and Cashman more props for taking a position we all feel is unproductive and actually cobbling together by far the most long balls on the team by position? So uh, when you just look at people who have played first base, like what do the Yankees get production-wise out of that day's first baseman? It's a 224 batting average, 300 on base, 432 slugging, 31 home runs, and 100 RBIs out of first base. 
Yeah, I mean, look, first base was saved by by Luke Voigt. Let's not change the the narrative on that one. Luke, no, first base was saved by Luke Voigt. So, so if we're talking about the position as a whole, I'm giving a ton of credit to our scouting department, to Brian Cashman, to going out there and getting Luke Voigt and seeing something in a guy that you know the Cardinals didn't see, or, or you know maybe they just couldn't give him at bats. Uh, but to to give away a guy like that for what they received. Uh, leads me to believe that they didn't see him as a long-term piece in any way. Uh, and the Yankees saw him, saw something. You know, obviously, I, I think it's a, a, a bit ambitious to see that, you know, that they saw this guy, but they saw something in, that they thought could improve the position. And, that's, uh, and they went out and made a move. That's sort of like, um, th- th- I think that's uh, Brian Cashman maybe being a little bit full of himself there. Where he's like, yeah, we saw something in Luke Voigt. That's why, that's why we traded for him. It's easy to say now. But he's done that in the past. I mean, he's made, he's, he's absolutely gone out and, and turned. I mean, th- look at Didi. They went out and they get guys who are, you know, not performing to their abilities at, 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 at other teams, but they see the ability that can be unleashed on, uh, you know, and that could be, you know, called upon. And it's happened time and time again. Uh, you know, I, I think they, uh, they, they saw even with Starling Castro when he was down and they, and they got him over. Um, they saw production out of him for uh, for a good bit, and, you know. So I, I do I do believe that a lot of the the credit for for that goes to um, the. You know, I don't know how much of it's Cashman or it's the scouting department, and Cashman is just you know signing off on these things. But um, they saw the same thing in Greg Bird as well. So on the uh, the flip side, Greg Bird hasn't been the guy that they expected him to be, and Luke Voigt has been more of a guy than they probably expected. And everybody in between, Tyler Austin, I think is what we thought he was. You know, there's not really. You know he's gonna he's gonna have some pop, but he's gonna be inconsistent. Uh, he'll be an okay glove, but nothing great. I just don't think he had a, 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 a future here. And then Neil Walker, I'm sure, uh, like Vinny was saying, like some of those some of those ten home runs came in other positions. But you know we we all knew what he was too. But he was terrible in the beginning of the year as well. So it's been a resurgence, I think, the second half uh, for uh, the first base position. It would look way different if Luke Voigt wasn't a thing. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, and I think. Over the last few years, first base has been a problem. When you look at Greg Bird's injuries and Chris Carter experiment. Ever since Teixeira went down. Teixeira's injuries towards the end of his career. Yeah, it's been a problem. Um, Out of a position you count on big offense out of. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Seven games left in the season. (laughs) We're here. We've got to the final week. Any last words, Scott? Yeah, seven games. And we already know that we're going to be in the playoffs but this is going to be an excruciating watching what Oakland's doing seeing if the Yankees can uh, you know somehow regain what they need to, to 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 you know get some positive momentum because I think that's that's huge and then you know all eyes on what Didi is doing right now and, and how that injury is playing out and man I'm really hoping I'm knocking on wood and fingers crossed and all the deal uh, that, that this is this is much ado, you know. It, 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 he starts feeling better in the morning. Or hopefully, like they're that. being over yeah. overly cautious. Here. Yeah, and, uh, I, I really hope so. But and hopefully, he's healthy enough to play a few days before the end of the season, like you said, so he's not super rusty. Yeah, that's because he's a huge piece of this. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for us. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. 
We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.